chapter 8. This is actually part 2 of the message titled, Wanted, Dead, and Alive. Dead and Alive. And this two-part message is designed to prepare us for the water baptism service that will happen tonight at 6 p.m. at Sun Life Church in Beulah. Bring a dessert to share. We're going to have, I think, I mean, there is just, I think there's close to 20 people so far getting water baptized. It is going to be a great celebration. Don't miss it. We do this quarterly with the agreement that if we get more and more people, we'll like to see this become monthly. We'd like it to, you know, maybe weekly, you know? Wouldn't it be so great that so many people are getting saved and wanting to be water baptized that we have to go over there every week to be baptized? And he added to their number daily. How about that? We'll get to where it's daily. Hey, Pastor Ken, open up the church. We've got a dozen here that want to be baptized just today, you know? Because I was at Shop and Save and, and God showed up. Yeah, amen, right? Start speaking things like that. I know. Why not? All right. Uh, I reminded you last week that most Christians that have been saved for a while understand the importance of water baptism. But nowadays, it's not being preached with any um, significance, really that really it's become a subpar Christian tradition of old. And it doesn't really do anything, and it certainly isn't necessary. And I just don't see that in the scripture. I mean, Jesus commanded them to go and what? Preach what? Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. You know, what should we do to repent and be baptized? Last week I talked about uh, some frequently asked questions. I'll quickly go through. Who needs to be water baptized? Everybody. Everybody who is a new believer or a rededicated believer. Uh, we do look at children that they're at least old enough to understand the decision that they're making. Um, that's why we have people fill out applications, which we have some blank ones up here. It's not too late if you want to be water baptized tonight. Um, water baptized baptism application just so we can we can help you get down on paper even your testimony your decision and you want to be water baptized you know because um, when does someone get water baptized as soon as possible again if we had a water baptism tank I'd love to see it full all the time because people would just have to hey you know pastor friend open up the church you know I got some from like I said shop and save and need to be baptized. Um, and then the third frequently asked question is, what if I was water baptized before? Can I get water baptized again? The answer is yes. Um, for most, uh, I don't want to say most of us, for some of us, um, like I grew up in the church. I was baptized five or six times when I was little just because there was a lot of water baptism service. I think we had them weekly. You know, when I was growing up, and it would be at, you know, Sister So-and-So's pool in her backyard, or, you know, or it would be a service, and, you know, it'd be opened up, and I was like, yes, you know, all the time. And then when I got older, you know, of course, I went and did my own thing, lived my own life. When I rededicated my life to Christ, I had an old man 
that needed to die. I had an old life that needed to die. I needed to uh, prove, if I can use that word loosely, prove that I was no longer that same person to myself and to those that um, were around. So, yes, um, many rededicated Christians, like I said, need to be water baptized. Um, or like, well, like I was saying, the boys last week, um, they both got baptized at an early age. You know, I've been in ministry, I think it will be 25 years this fall, maybe only 24, I'll have to count. You know how years run in together when you get older. But um, they were baptized at an early, early age, but they understood their decision that they were making, so the staff had no, you know, I'm like, hey, you guys decide, not just because they're my kids, but whatever. And they said, yeah, they understand what they're doing, so they got them um, they went through water baptism, but now in this last few weeks when they went to camp and rededicated their lives, filled with the Holy Spirit, um, they both said, you know, we need to get water baptized. Now it's on our decision, really. It's, it's the old man is dead, and so they'll be water baptized tonight as well. Um, last week we discussed what it means to be dead, because we are wanted both dead and alive. Um, because it's both symbolic and prophetic it's symbolic in that you're declaring to the people your witnesses those around you um, that the old man is dead but you're also prophesying that the new man is alive in Christ um, we looked at detail through Romans chapter 6 what it means to be dead dead to your old identity dead to sin and dead to worldly thinking that old man is dead 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 so today we're going to look at what it means to be alive. Alive. So we're going to start at uh, Romans chapter 8. Let's start at verse 1. Therefore, we can't go any farther. You guys know this. If you start reading a therefore, you have to go back to figure out what it's there for. Okay? Otherwise, you're, you're, it's like you're jumping into the middle of a conversation and the basis of what they're about ready to say is off what they previously said. You won't understand properly if you don't go back. So instead of reading all of chapter 7 to you, let me just say that last part because Paul was um, discussing that struggle that happens between the flesh man and the spirit man. That there's like this war going on, there's this big struggle, and down at the bottom he even called himself, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will save me from this? And he says, ah, oh, yeah, Jesus can. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So he said now to lead into chapter 8, he's, you know, basically since I've set my mind to be a slave to the Spirit of God. Set my mind to be a slave to God's law. I'm going to be heavenly minded. I've set my mind on God. Remember we talked about that last week and weeks and weeks before. That whatever you set your mind on, so goes the man. As your mind goes, so goes the man. What you set your mind on, that's what you'll, your desires will follow, your actions will follow. So he says, now, since I've set my mind on Spirit of God, God's law. Therefore, 
Now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, that law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, who's you? You talked about it up there. Who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. You, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit if. Remember I told you the conditions. There's conditions. The ifs are always our part. The promises are God's part. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Wow, that is just such a huge mouthful. I can't believe when I was trying to, well, I need to cut this back and cut that. I just, it, I couldn't. But we see here where we're wanted, alive. We're talking about alive as a new man. You have to be alive in Christ, and you have to be alive to heavenly thinking. Alive as a new man. Think about this. When 
Jesus died, crucified on the cross, took him to the tomb, laid him in the tomb, rolled a big stone in front of it, right? When he was resurrected, the stone, it says the stone was rolled away. Do you think they had to roll away the stone to let Jesus out? No, because doesn't it say over and over again that he appeared, he walked through the walls where there was, where, you know, his disciples were in locked rooms. So do you think they rolled the stone to let Jesus out? Oh, hold on, Jesus, let me roll this away for you. No, they rolled away the stone to let us in. To let the disciples in to see that body's not there anymore. Well, you're like, why is that important? Think about this. If he would have left that old body, which he could have, left that old body laying there and then appeared here, appeared there, appeared here, right? It would have been great. Yay, wonderful. There's Jesus. There's Jesus. But somebody walk over to the tomb, peek in. No, there's Jesus. Wouldn't that have been confusing? So what did you see? He said, I, I can give life to your mortal bodies. Why? Because the same spirit that raised that mortal body up into a new heavenly body that could, think about it, it he ate with them. He ate with them. He walked through walls. He appeared here and he appeared here and he said the same spirit that did that to my mortal body wants to make your mortal body alive just the same. What? I want to walk through walls. I do. I really do. I want to scare the crap out of people so that they scream, what must we do to be saved, right? Wouldn't they? Come on. The same spirit. Alive as a new man. So it wasn't. Think about that. He, he had to show us. That it is that body. Not so he could get out of the tomb. But so we could see that same body. He did everything as us. As us. And you have to stop trying to. Oh, gosh, I'll be very careful in saying this. And so glorifying Jesus in his majesty that you strip him of his power that he had as us. Okay, I know that was almost too confusing. Let me try to simplify that. Sometimes we think God is so great. Jesus was so great. Jesus was so powerful. Son of God. As God. He's part of the Trinity. He came as us. But he's fully God. Yes. But he's fully man. He emptied himself. And you know what? Here. Let me just throw this at you. Because some scholars say that he emptied himself so much that as he was born... As he was now, you don't think that he was a one-year-old splitting the Red Sea and, you know, parting and you know, multiplying the fish, sitting in his high chair. That he so emptied himself that he had to grow in the now. Now that kind of lines up with scripture. He had to grow in the knowledge of understanding his identity as we have to, the same as we have to. The same as we have to. And that when he was led away by the Spirit to be tempted, 
that you're like, well, yeah, but he was the son of God. No. He was not only the son of God, he was fully man. So how could he be tempted if he couldn't be tempted? Yet he was tempted and did not sin. Well, why? So he could show us <laughs> we don't have to sin. Sin has no power over us who are alive in Christ. Jesus showed us. It was our example, not because, ooh, he's the son of God. What shall we do? Build up, you know, these, you know, shelters for you because you're so good. He's like, no, I'm you. You're me. What I've done, you are going to do even greater things. What? The same spirit. Think about this. Jesus could say what I've done, you're going to do even greater things than I've done. Why? Because I'm going to the Father. He's sitting at his right hand to intercede for us. He's given us the Holy Spirit to intercede, to be the power for us. Same spirit that raised him from the dead. We've got double authority, right? Jesus didn't have another brother sitting at the right hand of God praying for him while he was here. That's why he said greater things you'll do than I did. Because I'm going to the Father. All right. Alive as a new man. There's now no condemnation. Listen, here's where we battle. That once we say that dead man is buried. Remember, Paul just explained that. And we set our mind. On God, God, I've made myself a slave, if you want to say, to the Spirit. We talked about it last week as letting the Spirit be the governor of your life. That when you set the Spirit as a governor, it's like that stupid 55 miles an hour governor that's on the buses or the, you know, semis that won't allow you to. When you set your mind on Christ, that, that dead man is not you anymore. It's not your identity. So he says, there's no more condemnation. Why? Because if you're alive in Christ, that's not you. But that's the same thing the enemy tries to accuse you of constantly. Oh, Aaron, I know what you did last night. I know what you were just thinking. You can't go pray for somebody because you... No, that's not me. Now there is no... I like that, that he says, now there is no condemnation. We talked last week about where Jesus said, remember, to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I really believe, again, personal opinion, that that's because every day needs to be a new day. Today, that bloodline I talked about when you surrender your life to Christ, you make him the leader, the Lord of your life. From this day forward is all for Christ. This day back is in the past. That's really, you don't even have a right to it anymore. Because Jesus, God says in his word that once you surrender to him, he wipes out your past. It's no longer there. He throws it as far as the east is from the west. He chooses not to remember it, so we have no right to it. It's his. He's bought it. But when we pick up our cross and we follow him, every day is a new day. So I'm not condemned by yesterday. As a matter of fact, if I'm carrying my cross, I'm not even condemned by the last hour. 
I'm not even condemned by the last thought I had. Oh, Lord, forgive me for thinking that. That's wrong. I know that's wrong. That's not who I am in Christ. Now there is no condemnation. When is now? Now. I looked up the Greek word. It means now. The Hebrew definition is now. Now is now. It's now. When? Now. So pick up your cross and continue to walk. Continue to follow me. Why? Because now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm no longer that dead man. I'm a new man. The second thing is we're alive, like I was saying, in Christ. We have been hidden with Christ in God. I did a whole study on this and I shared it with you. It just, I, I love to picture myself here with Christ, with Christ. And I mean, we step in, because it says in, in Christ. We are being transformed into the image of Christ. So, I mean, uh, my cartoonish mind, it's as if I'm stepping in to Christ. Backed up, hidden in God. I'm at his right hand. Jesus, sorry, Jesus is at God's right hand. I'm at his right hand. When God turns and looks at me, he sees my face through the image of his son. Everything he purchased, everything he has for me is seen on me through his son. That's the image that we're supposed to bear when we go about healing the sick, preaching, raising the dead, is that image. So people don't see Neil, people see Jesus when you're hidden in Christ. It's not, I don't even care if they ever remember my name, but I want them to walk away and think, man, I felt God. Who was that? I'd like to just slip through stores and people go, Jesus. Not even know why. I mean, wasn't it Charles Finney? Didn't I hear it was Charles Finney that he went into a, a, a factory? Never spoke a word. Never spoke a word. And yet people started breaking out and, and weeping and crying and getting on their knees and repenting in a factory. Just because he was there. Do you think it was him? No. It was the presence of God on him. It was a glory of Jesus about him. It says that he was even on a train. And when he went through this town. That the town broke out in repentance. Why? Because he knew how to carry the image. He knew who he was in Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creature, the new man has come. And the old has gone. The new is here. Think about this. God did not wipe away the old man. Give you the new man and, and pat you on the bottom and say, now go try again. See if you get it right this time. No, he also poured into us the Holy Spirit. When we open up and receive that free gift, 
that Holy Spirit gives us everything we need to live a godly life. Everything. You don't do anything. I was just having this conversation with a, a I'll call her my friend. Um, it's just an acquaintance I met at, in Beulah through the Crystal Lake Business Association meeting. Uh, she just she heads up the sidewalk sales where we were just at and handing out backpacks with Sun Life Church, which was amazing. I think we gave them all away. Um, only had a few school supplies left over. Uh, but anyway, all of a sudden, I just found myself, uh, I wasn't preaching at her. I was just so overwhelmed with the opportunity that without even realizing it I kept sharing my testimony because she kept prodding for it and I didn't even I mean I'm I'm telling her I'm standing on the street and sharing with her how Jesus Christ totally transformed my life that I was a alcoholic and you know I started and she's like what But he gives us everything we need. And, and her question to me was, see, she's being hounded by, uh, she called him a zealot. I don't even know if she knew what that word was. But um, she said the people that go around, Christians that go around pointing at you, telling you you're going to hell, you're going to hell because you do this or because you do that. And I told, I looked at her, I said, if, if the decision for us to go to heaven or hell was based on only what we did or did not do, why did God have to send his son? She just looked at, I don't even know if she heard that. She told me later she was raised by an atheist. I don't even know if she heard that or not. And I wasn't being condemning. Actually, I kept, I kept, I don't know how many times I repeated, um, honey, I, I'd love to just apologize for everybody right now if I could. Because it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance and not the rebuke of God. Don't do this. Don't do that. I told her, I said, what person wants to run to a disciplinarian and fall into their arms? Yes, we can be disciplined when we're disciplined in love. But if you picture God as this all-powerful, you're in trouble all the time, if you don't do right on your own, Who's going to run to that? I said, God saw that we couldn't do it on our own, so he sent his son to complete the law in us. In us who? That live by the Spirit. Set our mind on what the Spirit desires, live by the Spirit, and he gives us the Holy Spirit that gives us everything we need to live a godly life. When we're in Christ, we're alive as a new man, new identity, and we're alive in Christ. In John 15, Jesus commanded that he's the vine, we're the branches, if we remain in him. If we remain in him. He gives lots of ifs in that John 15. If you do not remain in me, you're going to get cut out. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then go ahead and ask for whatever you wish. What? I love it. 
had, I've actually had uh, good Christians rebuke me because of my desire to see answer prayers come immediately. Well, you can't believe for everything. Show me that in the scripture. Just show me that. Because what I keep reading is ask whatever you want in my name. If I'm hidden in Christ, then what I ask for will be in his word. And he's glorified. It says he's glorified in what? In answered prayers. Right? Come on. If we remain in him. If his words remain in us. Why? Because then we'll speak his words. And his words are spirit and life. That one was getting at me this morning. Jesus said, I only speak what I hear the Father speak. He even knew only the words of God bring life, bring the Spirit, bring life. When we speak what God speaks, when my words are filled with God's words, then what I ask for, I'm asking this. I'm not asking amiss. I'm asking this. And he says, I'll do it. Remain in me. Let my words remain in me. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Now remain in my love and keep my commandments. He said, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. You must remain hidden in with Christ in God, seated at his right hand. And then the third thing, alive to heavenly thinking. This is another one. Besides love, 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 this is the, the I mean, if I had the top three, if I could, I'm, I'm going to be real careful because I'll probably get ten other things flood over my mind when I start to speak this out. But the top three that we need to focus on would be the spirit, Love and thinking set our mind on heavenly things, alive to heavenly thinking. Remember, you're dead to worldly thinking. You're alive to heavenly thinking. Why? Because Jesus said, wherever you go, preach the kingdom of God is here. The king's domain is opened up to this world through the door of our thinking. I've went through multiple times now. The Bill Johnson nailed this one on the head by this um, study he did on the supernatural power of a transformed mind. Man, I wish he could have shortened that title. But he scripture after scripture about you limit God by the way you think. You limit your potential by the way you think. Your mind is the door, the gateway to heaven on earth now. Jesus said, pray. How did he say to pray? Pray. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom is God's, king, God's domain. The king's domain. Your kingdom come. What did he say? Wherever you go, preach. What? The kingdom of God is where? Here. Near, within reach, translation said. 
Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples how to pray, he said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth now, now as it is in heaven. Now. That's the gateway. If we see something that would not exist in heaven, we have the dominion of the king to say, you don't belong here. Cancer don't belong here. Where? In the king's domain. Wherever you go, you're taking back ground. Or pushing back. I mean, I that sit-walk stand kind of messed me up. The enemy has no right over the kingdom of heaven. So you're not trying to battle to get the victory. <laughs> the victory's already been won. Authority's already God's. Then he gives it to us and said, now go spread the kingdom of heaven, the king's domain. Where? On earth now, just like it is in heaven. So if it doesn't exist in heaven, it can't exist here. Well, I see it exist all the time because somebody hasn't taken authority over it. Well, I prayed and it didn't go away. Pray some more. It says pray, continually pray. Pray without ceasing. Why? Because that thing can't stay. I mean, think about it. You guys know how much I hate bugs. You know, number one on my bug list is spiders. Now that I said that, I'm going to start looking around. The same is true if I see a spider in my house and I start calling the orkin man. Come spray, I seen a spider in my house. Why am I calling the orkin man? Because he's got the stuff to get rid of the spider, right? And if there's one, I know there's more. So I call the orkin man. Come. Now if I call the orkin man, he comes in, he sprays, and the next day I see more spiders, what am I going to do? I'm going to call another man. Or I'll call the orchid man and say, give me back my money. No. I'll keep calling. I'll keep calling. Why? Because they don't belong in my house. That's my house. You got to go get your own house. And I set up a perimeter, so five-mile perimeter. Nowhere near five miles. I told my orchid man or whoever I have. I can't even think of who it is now. I think it's orchid man. I'm like, I saw a spider out in my yard. He goes, Brenda, seriously? Seriously. I said, I pay you. Kill the spiders in my yard. That's my yard. They can be in my neighbor's yard, but not in my yard. He's like, you know, I can, I can keep them from coming in the house. I said, no, you got to keep them from coming in my yard too. Give up. Keep going after it. If you pray, then pray some more. We, I mean, we had that word last week, right? Don't give up. Don't settle into where well, I guess this is just how it's supposed to be. If it's not that way in heaven, it's not supposed to be here. So don't give in. Don't give up. Here it is. Again, verse 5 through 8, we see it. Here's the law of the mind. 
the law of the mind. Your actions and desires follow. Actually, they serve whatever you have your mind set on. Your actions, your feelings, your desires, the motives, even the filter of what you hear comes through what you have your mind set on. And I've went with people. I've been with people. One person talks. Then we get taught, well, did you hear how that person talked to us? Yeah. Well, I know that they were just... No, don't think I heard that at all. Because of what is your mind set on. is how you hear. Actually, we're instructed, which is a whole different message, but we're instructed to be careful how we hear. Because it goes in where? To the mind. The sinful mind is hostile. Hostile to God. Or hostile. How do you say that word? Hostile? Hostile? Hostile. I don't care. Potato, potato. I don't care. But it's hostile. I looked that up. Because we sometimes, again, we read over things and we don't, we, we miss out on so much when we just read over. Hostile means to be antagonistic. It's like the, in my yard, which is another thing I tried to get the bug man to get rid of, all these little flying things all over your head, all the time. You're trying to play with the baby and you're going, ah, looking like a wild man out in my front yard. They drive you crazy. I mean, boy, right? Tyler comes in. He said, I can't even play basketball outside because all these little things you can't even see, but they're little bitty bugs. Oh, I was standing outside with you, Lynn, last week. I'm like, the stupid things are in my yard, too. That's being antagonistic. Where it's just bugging you. Ugh. The mind control. By the sinful man, the sinful mind is like that toward God. It's like little bugs flying around us and he's like, ah, God. Hostile, malicious. It means malicious. Also means belonging to an enemy army. The sinful mind is just like belonging to the enemy's army. Actually, it says it is. It does belong. It does, it's hostile. You know, you've heard the military say that, hey, we were confronted by hostiles. What? Enemy army. The sinful mind. The mind not controlled by the spirit is a sinful mind, is hostile toward God. It cannot submit to him. It cannot please him. Write it down. Look it up later. Let me just breeze through it. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 10, exhorts us, set our mind. Set your mind. Set your mind. Set your heart. Set your mind. Set your heart. Over and over again, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated. Why? Because that's where you're supposed to be seated. Hidden with him. Set your mind on that. 
Set your heart on things above. Be, why? Because you died. And your new life is now hidden with Christ in God. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly, sinful nature. Put it to death. That's our responsibility. Put it to death. Put it to death. Put it to death. It can't live. I shared with that. I shared this with you last week. A lot of people actually use the lie, the excuse. Well, um, I just have this little sin and it's okay because it helps me relate to sinners so I can witness to them. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Do you think he was a sinner? Actually, the Bible says he was without sin. Yet he was called a friend of sinners. So don't believe the lie that you have to be a sinner to win a sinner. As a matter of fact, that's just absurd. I, there was another word I was going to use there, but I, I'm glad the Spirit just cleaned up my mouth. Not going there. Anyway. It says, foolish as you being locked in a jail cell, talking to another prisoner, and the prisoner talking to you about, um, you know, if I wanted to get out of this prison, I could get out if I wanted to. I'd be like, show me. Right? You're sitting in here with me and you're telling me I can be out of this prison. Again, I'm not talking spiritual, I'm talking physical. Because I know spiritual, that's what we're supposed to do. All right? Physically. You're telling me I can be out of this. Or, okay, how about this? This is almost easier. Two drowning people, right? The whole going up, one hand, you know, one finger. Remember, you're supposed to do that. Two, two fingers, I'm drowning. Nobody was ever shown that in school. My gosh, I am old. Now, I know you're older than I am. We were taught that in school. That when you're drowning, you're supposed to put up one hand and actually remember what number you're going down with. Two. Yeah. So that when people see you, they can see, oh, they're only on number one. I've got two more before I have to go save them, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, that aside. Two drowning people. The one starts preaching to the other one. Hey. If you give your life to the Lord, well, you can be saved. You're drowning with me. And you're talking to me about being saved? That don't make any sense. Your sin won't lead somebody to righteousness. Your freedom will. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Why? Just so you could run around the yard naked? Watch out for those little bugs. Let me tell you that. It was for freedom. Why? So you can preach to the captives. You can preach to the prisoners on this side of the jail cell, come this way. Follow me. For freedom, he set you free. For freedom to rescue others who are taken captive. 
for the prisoners who are locked up, for you to be on this side of the jail cell and say, it was for freedom Christ set us free. Now you can follow me. Remember Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross. Follow me. Again, if Jesus came and appeared in a jail cell and never broke the door wide open to release the captives, but preached freedom, who would have followed? I'm saying this to remind you that it was for freedom Christ set you free don't allow your mind to go places that God's word did not declare Satan is not a creator he's not a creator he hasn't created any words that speak life what he is, is a twister. He's a twister of the truth. Did God really say that? This whole mind thing. She don't know what she's talking about. You can do what you want to do. Everybody's going to heaven. As a matter of fact, there is no hell. You like how he's erasing hell? Don't even look that way. There's no hell. Everybody goes to heaven. This is hell. Let me tell you, this is not hell. Right now it feels hot as hell in here, but it's not hell. This is not hell. There is a heaven. God's word was very specific that we will all be called into account. The book of life will be opened. There will be a everlasting heaven and an everlasting hell. Your mind set on heaven controlled by the spirit is the gateway to bringing heaven to earth. Now, the king's domain here now. Alive as a new man, hidden in Christ, alive in Christ, my mind set on heavenly things. And let me quickly just show you, if you didn't catch it, at the end of what we read, there's eight verses there. I don't have time to read it now. But there's eight verses there with eight ifs. Eight verses with eight ifs. The last if says that if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may share in his glory. Let me just explain that. We're in the translation here, okay? If indeed, indeed is two words put together. We're exhorted to have faith and deeds. So if in the things you do, your deeds, if in your deeds, in what you do, you share in his suffering. What was his suffering? Crucified the flesh. Nailed it to the cross. Deny yourself. So if in the things you do, you crucify the flesh, you will share in his glory. What was his glory? His resurrection life. If in the things you do, 
You crucify the flesh. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. You will share in his resurrection life. Oh, I know when we get to heaven. No, he said now. Your mortal bodies now. I want that resurrection life living in me now. That's why he taught us how to pray. Your kingdom come now as it is in heaven. So then through water baptism, you are declaring to the world and prophesying to your future that you are dead to the old man, dead to sin, dead to worldly thinking, and you are alive, alive as a new man, alive in Christ, in faith and in deeds, with your mind set on heavenly thinking as it is in heaven, now on earth. Let me remind you, it's not too late if you want to get water baptized. This could be your second time, your fifth time. Uh, but if you need that old man dead, we want to pray with you this morning. And let me be careful that I know we are quick to say we're going to pray for people. We're going to pray for people. We weren't commanded to pray for people. We were commanded to heal. the demons raise the dead and actually we were commanded to forgive people's sins <gasps> look it up actually now that I said look it up I think it's John 20 it's on the top right the left hand side of my Bible I think it's John 20 I wrote it down in my journal this morning because that just came didn't just come to me. Let me that, that's stupid. Why did I say that? The Holy Spirit revealed that to me in pre-service prayer. I mean, I wasn't even praying that. And he's like, hey, I love those nuggets. Has nothing. Well, I guess it does have something to do with the word. But just drops those nuggets in and you're like, never saw that before. The people that were sick, they came to Jesus. Why? Because they were sick. What did they want? wanted to be healed but what did he say to most of them go your sins are forgiven yeah but I want to be healed he said what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat go on be healed same same and then he told us he commanded us forgive if you forgive people be forgiven now actually I better read that to you because you might take that the wrong way then I'm going to close I'm closing because I want to show you how important this is yeah it's in John 20 this is when Jesus resurrected Jesus appeared to his disciples uh, 20 mm -hmm. Verse 19, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them, walking through walls. I want to walk through walls. And he said, peace be with you. Why? Because they is peeing their pants scared. Jesus just walked through the wall. 
peace. After he said that, he showed them his hands and his side. Why? Because he wants to bring he wants to bring resurrected life to your mortal body too. You see, this what he's saying to his disciples. You see, this was the mortal body. See? It's got holes in it. See that? Here's my side. See that? But I just walked through the wall. What I've done, you're going to do even greater things. He wanted to show them. After he showed them his hands and his side, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw them. Listen to this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. With that, he breathed on them. What was he breathing on them? The Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit, it's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in us. Breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he goes into verse 23. Same thing. Next verse. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And I've heard that preached, and actually there's other places in the Bible. Well, that's talking about don't hold any unforgiveness. Yes, it is. All his promises are yes and amen. It's yes and. Yes and. What's easier to say when somebody comes up to ask for prayer? They need healing. Your sins are forgiven. Pick up your mat and go away. Or be healed. He said them both. Now go and sin no more. Right? Because then he, again, he goes on to say, if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. No person that I could find, and now I'm going to probably find it, so far, let me then say it this way, that came to Jesus for healing, I don't see any that came to him for forgiveness. through a crowd reaching out just to touch the edge of his cloak so that they would be forgiven of their sins. But he went around forgiving everybody of their sins, didn't he? And then he commanded us to do the same. Well, that's not best. Well, I'm not, you know. No, he is in you. It's not you doing anything. When people lay their hands on you and pray for you. It's not because they're righteous. They're just a vessel. I mean, if anything, I could, I would want to go around and, and pat you all on the back for being good vessels. Right? But do you do that? I mean, do you stand outside in your yard and yell to the, to the, the conduit that's bringing you electricity? Thank you! Just receive it, right? Light on, light off. Yeah. Just receive it. Don't look at the vessel. Just receive it. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. It's within reach. Which means just reach it. Just accept it. Would you stand?